0: Welcome to the Cultivated Grace Podcast with Will and Kate Purvis.
1: Listen in weekly as we teach you how to live by faith and receive all the benefits Jesus died and rose from the grave to give you.
0: Join us as we dig into God's Word and plant seeds of faith through real life application. All right, peoples, welcome back to the Cultivated Grace Podcast youtube live or uh, facebook live etc cetera, etc cetera. this is our third episode 003
1: you danced
0: i didn't dance you did you I danced
1: didn't. i saw you with my abigail eyes.
0: our daughter if i tap my foot at all she said daddy you're dancing I'm like i'm not dancing <laughs> oh yes you are and if i hum she's like daddy you're singing
1: what would you call that head nod what the, the nod you were doing Dance? while our intro music was yeah that you're dancing.
0: That's not dancing. <laughs> jiving. Jiving. Yeah jiving. You're jiving. Okay. So today <laughs> we're gonna talk about the ever most controversial subject the law, which means the law of like the mosaic law. And grace.
1: Dun dun dun.
0: Isn't that something we can't even live by grace. It's a shame. But anyway, so <laughs> What we're going to talk about, was we're going to talk about kind of the contrasts, how that kind of applies, and this is probably a multi-episode uh, subject because it is—it's
1: going to take us longer. Really than big an hour deal. To really dig into it, and then.
0: it's very much has everything to do with faith and living by faith. Because if you don't, you have to receive grace by faith. <coughs> so the thing is, is like we keep running into. That this is, let me say, let me, what do you want to say?
1: I was just going to say, you run into it all the time because it permeates Christian culture.
0: Well, okay, yes. So, right. The thing is, is like, especially like with ministers, uh, here's, okay, I'm trying to not be like too. Why don't you go ahead and just
1: explain what you mean by the law and what you mean by grace? There you go. And then the relationship between the two.
0: So the law after the uh, children of israel came out of egypt they crossed through the red sea which is a type of baptism and they traveled a couple of days i think it was just a few days like 14 days or something like that and they got to they got to this mountain called sinai and up on this mountain there was wind and fire and smoke, and if you go to that mountain today, which is not where they say it is, it's actually, I think, in, a, in a Saudi Arabia now, but um, where they say that mountain is, that's not the mountain, but where the mountain actually is, there's a big old fence that goes around it. You are not permitted to climb up on this mountain, and it is guarded. And by a
1: government official, like by, by the government, government military, yeah, because
0: they don't want you to know it's there. Because if they, if you know it's there, then it undermines everything. Nevertheless,
1: <laughs> that's another episode.
0: Uh, for them, it undermines them. Now, uh, if you go up on this mountain, it is black. The rocks are melted, and it is to this day they are burnt. Okay, so this mountain called Sinai. Well, m- uh. God said, y'all come up here. I want to talk to you. Okay? So the Israel uh, Israel said, oh, no, we're not going up there amongst all that. We're going to send Moses. So Moses goes up there, and he stays 40 days and 40 nights, and God gives him the law. And this law was written on two tables, and... On there was over six, there was 16, 613 laws. A lot of people, I saw it to today or the other day, there was this guy and he was sitting at his desk and he had the Ten Commandments right there with two little stones and they're rounded off, looking like Charlton Heston's, you know, model. But that's not accurate. There was 613 laws written on this thing, on these tablets, <coughs> not just the ten that were listed in Deut- Deuteronomy Uh, that we would call the Ten Commandments, which is what they would say is the moral law. Anyway, so there was this 613 laws. Well, while they were up there, while he was up there, the Israelites were like, oh, we don't know what happened to Moses. Uh, Listen, Aaron, you need to build us this golden calf. Take all this gold that uh, we plundered from Egypt and turn it into something we can worship, which is the beast, by the way. Uh, and they worshipped this golden cow with horns and a sun disc above its head, <clears throat> and they got to worshiping this thing. And God was like, "Look, they're down there breaking the law. They ain't got the law, and they're already breaking it." So Moses goes down there. He sees what's going on. He's like, "Can't believe this," because they were saying. Mo, Aaron, Moses' brother, is like, "Look, this is the God what brought you out of Egypt." And they're out there partying and throwing down and things that are happening that are, uh, you know, on a family-friendly podcast we can't say. And so they were worshiping this calf, and and, and without clothes. And so uh, Moses gets down there and he's aggravated because that seems to be. Uh, and understandably, I mean, if you had to put up with these people, you would be aggravated too. So he throws the law on the ground and it breaks, and, which is also a type and a shadow of them breaking the law. And to set up the course of the history of breaking the law, because they did every step of the way. And so anyway, they grind this golden calf up, put in some water, make people drink it. 3,000 people died that day. Okay, and so he has to go back up on the mountain. God reissues these ta- tablets or these tables to him. He goes down the mountain. He reads the law to him, and they say, all right, we can do that. And so they cut this covenant called the covenant of the law. Now, it's not the same covenant what God cut with Abraham, this is the covenant of the law, which is the covenant that they live by for the next 1,500 years. Now, you don't think 1,500 years is a long time? It's a very long time. It's a very long time. So, because this country's not even been around for 300 years, and we're already losing it. So, <laughs> <coughs> anyhow, the they break the law. The they, they say they can keep it. God cuts a covenant. They make sacrifice. They take the blood of the sacrifice. Moses takes a hyssop branch. He sprinkles it on all the people and on the priest and on the law. So everybody's covered in blood. It's the
1: same kind of branch that they used to paint the door frames.
0: Yes. And so everybody's covered in blood. There's blood all over the place and, and everything's covered. So the covenant has been made between God and the children of Israel to keep the law And God says, if you keep the law, I will bless you. If you do not keep the law, you will fall under a curse. (coughs) So, back to present day. Jesus came, fulfills the law, not present day, but uh, uh, 30 AD. Jesus comes, fulfills the law. The law... He said, not one jot, not one tittle of the law will pass away until it is fulfilled. People forget that.
1: Jots and tittles are the marks. Accent marks They're and accent stuff. marks, yes.
0: So he's like, not even the accent marks of the law like will pass dotted, away. Like
1: our dots on our I's and our crosses on our T's. That's so right, TV. periods yes. and
0: things like that. Or uh, Anyway, he says, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away from the law until all be fulfilled. And he says, I don't want you to think that I came to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. So what the children of Israel could not do for 1,500 years, Jesus comes along and in 33 years of his life fulfills the law, keeps the law perfectly. He did everything that he was supposed to do. The law has been fulfilled, period. It's done. Okay? Now, Fast forward a couple of more years where it's 70 A.D. They're still making sacrifices. They're still atoning. In that period of time, the uh, New Testament has pretty well been written. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews has been written. The book of Hebrews says, look, Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for sin. You cannot trust in Jesus and go back to the law and sacrifice to atone for your sin. You can't do that. You have to trust in Jesus. That is the only way. And so, a lot of you know Jews and and uh, and everything were really fighting against that. And <clears throat> Christianity was still very new yeah. and still actually being laid out by the revelation that Jesus had given to Paul and the other apostles and all of these things and the gospels were written around these same time periods and all of this was going on very very exciting very troubling and all and uh and 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 really the groundwork was being laid the foundations were being laid for what we believe today or should believe so Jesus uh, or, or, or Hebrews was being written talking about going back to the sacrifice. Well, there's some revolts. The zealots were doing some crazy things. <laughs> there was, um, you know, there was some Roman leadership. That would came in and tried to wipe out the Jews. It didn't do it. Uh, there was, and then uh, here we go with like 66 A.D., where Titus, who actually destroyed the temple, destroyed yeah. Jerusalem in 70 A.D., his daddy made it his mission because of all the assassinations, all of the upheavals, all of the revolts. There had been a Roman emperor trying, an emperor and a commander trying to come in, and he was trying to set up idols in the temple, and they were having none of that, and people were being just destroyed even the Jews were actually attacking their own people. They were they were plundering households of their own people and just crazy stuff. It was just a Chaos. mess. Well everything Revelations describes that it was would be it was. So <coughs> anyway, here we are, 66 AD, Titus's daddy is trying to conquer uh, and destroy Israel, Jerusalem, and the temple. Well, he gets pulled back because Rome is kind of toppling, and a Caesar gets assassinated, so that he has to go, not, not Julius, but a Caesar, which is the name of the king of the Roman Empire. He has to withdraw, go help, kind of straighten things out. Well, he's still got this mission of destroying him. So Titus comes in 70 A.D., absolutely destroys Jerusalem and the temple. And see, the temple was plated in gold. So the fires were so hot, it melted the gold off the walls. And they, just like Jesus had prophesied in Matthew 24, not one stone was set on top of each other. Now, the big thing is, not only was the temple destroyed, but the sacrificial system destroyed. You don't have a temple, you can't make sacrifice.
1: Priesthood lineage.
0: On top of that, the priesthood, see, to be a priest.
1: You had to be able to prove. You had to prove. You were in the lineage of priests.
0: You had to prove your lineage all the way back to Levi. All the way back to before Egypt, the captivity in Egypt. You had to go back to the 12 sons of Israel, Jacob, and prove that you had come out of Levi to even be a priest. People today believe that they're going to rebuild a temple and start the sacrificial system again. I'm not getting back on that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's impossible. It's impossible. They're like, oh, yeah, they know their lineage, all of it. No, they don't. It was destroyed in 70 AD, it's over. <clears throat> the only sacrifice for sin is Jesus. If you don't get in on that, it's over. There is no other way to get there. Now, this is the history and the story of the law. When that sacrificial sacrificial system was over, so was the law. It was over. Because you say, oh, we have to keep the law. How are you going to keep it? You can't make the sacrifice. Well, the ceremonial sacrifice portion yeah, of the Lord law is over that mm-mm, if you break
1: mm-mm. any part of it you're guilty of the entire All, thing.
0: whole thing okay
1: and so that goes back i mean we're talking about rights of cleanliness we're talking yeah there's just you it, can't
0: eat shrimp <laughs> you can't touch a bird in its nest you can't uh
1: you can't leave after you can't like you cannot you According to the law, you're not clean for seven days after childbirth. Yes, um, men are not clean. I hey, believe it's. I believe it's law. seven days after. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to say this in a kind way.
0: Well, after the
1: after after the deed has been done, right? And men have spilled the seed. Unclean, unclean,
0: unclean. Now, here's the thing: there was so much in the law and people are like oh well the ceremonial part of it is over the dietary part of it, but the moral law we have to keep it paul says it like this i think it was paul he said you think that you know that you you want to keep the law you don't even know what the law is you don't uh in the in, in the book of acts they were like uh they were arguing over how are we going to keep this law uh how or do we do we require the Gentile believers to keep the law, or do we not? They had a council about this. They got all the apostles together. All the leadership came together, and they were like, what are we going to do? Are we going to make the Gentiles keep the law, or are we not? Because there was these Judaizers, what they called Judaizers, they would be... Uh, quote-unquote Christians, and they would go into these Gentile churches and they would say, you have to keep the law. You have to be circumcised. You have to keep the law. Being saved by Jesus, great, yes, that's true. But in conjunction with that, if you don't keep the law, then you're not living for God. You're living in sin and all these things. Salvation was still through the law for them, and they perverted the gospel. And this was Paul's biggest fight. This was Paul's thorn in the flesh. These people that would come and say, yes, 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 you're saved by Jesus, by grace, but you still have to keep the law. You still have to be circumcised. You still have to do these things. (coughs) Pardon me. I should have brought a water again today. Now, they have this council. And you know what they determined? How are we going to put the law on these people? We couldn't even keep it (laughs) ourselves. They're like... This is a burden we couldn't even carry. Why would we put it on them? So let's tell them to remember the poor. Um, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Don't drink blood or anything strangled. Don't eat that. You know, stuff like that. So if the apostles were like, there's a couple of things that we recommend you don't do, but the law is not something we recommend that you keep because we know it's impossible. This is in the Bible. And yet, preachers and pastors and ministers and evangelists, we forget that. Oh, brother, if you, uh, what we want to do is we want to preach to them, grace, 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 and then we have to throw a little bit of law in there to keep people in check. If we don't throw the law in there, then people are just going to live willy-nilly. They're going to, you know. Uh,
1: Stop tithing.
0: Oh, my gosh. Listen, nobody tithes today. Nobody. There's not a single Christian in Christendom that tithes today. Oh, brother, I give my 10% faithfully. What would you say? If you go
1: back. If you go back.
0: you say
1: 10%? It, the tithe was tithing. more of a tax. It was not an offering. There was an offering, but the tithe was a tax. <laughs> and if you add up the things that the tithe had to be distributed at, or the the different yep. tithes that had to be paid. It's actually more like, what, 23%.
0: 233 to 7%. Thir- 23% yeah.
1: of your income.
0: Of your income. Because you had to do the first fruits. <coughs> you had to do... Jesus was the first fruit. That's right. Uh, you had to do the first fruits. You had to do a tithe of your grain, a tithe of your oil, a tithe of this, a tithe of that. And it all... You had to do temple tax. You had to do all of these things.
1: But most of them you also, you can't even.
0: T- you can't. Majority tithe. of the
1: tithes were not monetary tithes. They were food. They were food tithes. And you took and the food. And those tithes went. A lot of those tithes went to feeding the priesthood.
0: Well, that's because they weren't allowed to own land. They weren't allowed to have right. a business. They were only allowed to work in the temple and to do priestly things, which is a
1: whole other podcast on like take care of your pastor take care of your ministers take care well, of the men yes. of god who are having to do all of the, hold the office of a pastor right. and preach to the church and study the word and and visit the sick and take care of everybody and still having to work a full-time job right. because everybody's too poor-minded to to take care of them
0: well, okay, so talking about the tithe, this <laughs> we, is a law. We
1: got to go to a okay. different place. Different talking podcast about that, that is, one.
0: first of all, there's not a single person breathing today that tithes. <clears throat> and there hasn't been one in hundreds of years. It's just not, it hasn't happened. We don't tithe. Now, I know that the tithe means a tenth, right? Right. But if you go back and study the tithe according to the law, then it was like 23.3 23.7% right, of your there was income there's a portion of your income a portion.
1: A portion yeah animals. it was a lot
0: more than that so we don't tithe anyway yes but however the new testament teaches us to give but we're not free to give so long as we put the tithe on people we're not free to give okay we're obligated to keep the tithe So that we can be blessed. But the truth is we're already blessed. Anything that you give today in Christ. If you're a giver. If you're generous. It's because you're blessed. It's not to get there. Any preacher that tells you. If you sow into my ministry. God is going to bless you. That's not true. The truth is you are blessed. Therefore you can sow into their ministry. I'm not saying don't sow. I'm not saying don't do that. No, because a seed sown still
1: produces a harvest. But if you are giving to something in order to uphold the law and say, okay, if you're giving to an organization or to a ministry or to any cause at all, if you're giving because you have to give that tithe, then you're not giving with the grateful heart. You might as well just keep your money. You might as well throw your money in the garbage can because it's not actually a seed seed sown. If you're giving out of the out of the the gratefulness and the grace gracious, uh, the graciousness for God for what He has already given generosity you because you are blessed. If you're giving out of that generosity with a grateful heart, then that is a seed sown. But the right. moment we start treating it like, okay, we have to plant the seed because what I'm going to get, like I'm going to give a hundred dollars because I need five thousand dollars.
0: There's that is wrong. not seed
1: sowing. That is bribery, and you cannot bribe God.
0: There's nothing wrong with expecting a return or a harvest or however you want to phrase this because Jesus said, Give and it be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over. Yes. First Corinthians or Second Corinthians nine says, He gives seed to the sower, so something that he gives you is seed, bread for your food, something that he gives you is bread, therefore he can increase the fruits of your righteousness. You are supposed to be a abundantly supplied so that you can give to every good work right. without needing help to do that.
1: Right. But you're
0: supposed to be abundantly supplied so you can give.
1: Doing this, uh, sewing that way and tithe and quote unquote giving that way is giving under grace. If you are giving yes. simply because you because are supposed to gift. tithe 10 to 10% of your income, mm-hmm. then you're operating under the law. And you, you just there's there are only, no benefits to operating under so the law because what, you cannot operate here's under the law. Here is what the New Testament says about living
0: time. under the law: You which desire to live according to the law, do you even know what the law says? So if you desire to live under the law, there is no way you are going to keep it. Therefore, you put yourself in a position to live under a curse. But Jesus became a curse for us. Because cursed is everyone that does not keep the law. So he became a curse in his on the tree because cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentile through faith. What does that mean? That means it doesn't come through the law. It comes through faith. Well, what comes through faith? Grace. God's grace. Okay? So... If you're going to try to keep the law, then you're going to position yourself
1: under a curse.
0: Under a curse. But by faith, see, <coughs> the law is not of faith. Scripture says the law is not of faith. So long as you're attempting to live under the law, you cannot be living by faith. But the just shall live by faith. Therefore, you can't be justified by the law. This whole the book of Romans, for like the first seven chapters, eight chapters, the whole thing is all about the contrast between living according to the law and living according to grace through faith. The whole first part of it is distinctly the whole book of Galatians. After the first couple of chapters, you know what Paul did? <coughs> he believed in this concept so much that during a dinner amongst Gentiles. Peter was eating with the Gentiles in the manner in which the Gentiles ate, but then when other Jews came in, he got up, left, and was so, it was such a big deal that even Barnabas was confused and he jumped up and left too. Paul rebuked Peter in front of everybody saying you, being a Jew, choose to live according to the way the Gentiles live, and yet you're going to basically hypocritically jump out of that and build right back into the law as soon as the Jew shows up. He's, you can't do that. You can't do that. And so here's the thing. The law's not of faith, and the just shall live by faith. So long... As you live according to the law, you are not living by faith. Therefore, you cannot be justified according to the law.
1: I think we've been so conditioned to follow rules that we feel like we need rules. We need boundaries, Right. right? And so I think one of the questions that... Or maybe it's not, a, it's not a verbalized question. Maybe one of the things that people are seeking is those boundaries, those laws. Okay, what moral code do we live by if we are not to fulfill the okay. law?
0: All right, so let's go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where the law and grace were already opposed. God says of every tree in this garden you can eat Nothing. except the tree that is in the middle of the garden which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, okay? What do you hear today, okay? The Gnostics wanted knowledge in good and evil. The spiritualists wants knowledge of good and evil. Everything on television is right and wrong. Well, this is not right. This is my ethics. Our this, politics, is this is wrong. Everybody is seeking the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because that, what that does is elevate us to the place of God. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't know right from wrong. What I'm saying is is that we so want everything to be based on our performance that that we are not willing to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Oh, God, I'm a tither. You have to bless me. No, he doesn't. No, no. It doesn't act. It doesn't work that way. Oh God, I'm living right. I'm eating healthy. Why am I sick? Because health, divine health and healing, does not come through living right and eating right. Oh brother, I will beg to differ. You know, if I eat this and that, no. Divine health and divine healing comes from the grace of Jesus Christ when He bore that on the back on His back when He bore those stripes. Okay, so let's go back to the tree all the way back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? We had, and and the tree of life. We could have eaten of the tree of life, but he said, don't touch that. That's the law. What does the law do? It teaches you what's good and what's evil. Don't eat shrimp. Don't eat pork because it's bad. It's unclean. And you have to be clean, right? When Jesus says, "Be you uh, holy, even as He is holy," or what He's laying out the law. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is setting the standards of the law on the temple of the uh, on the Sermon of the Mount sermon, the uh, five, six, and seven in Matthew, the chapters, He is bringing the law up to its impossible true standard. His the true standard of the law is not just what you do. It's how you think. It's what you do with your eyes. It's what you, If you are angry with your brother for no reason, you're a murderer. If you lust after a woman in your heart, you're an adulterer. If you covet something, then you're a covetous. You're covetous. The law was not just about, and he got on to the, the Pharisees. He says, you Pharisees and teachers of the law, <coughs> you um, Tithe your mint Your cumin Your spices You even tithe off your spices He said but you have neglected The weightier measures of the law You've neglected Righteous judgment And, and uh, Righteousness and judgment and, and all of these things And justice You've, ne- you've neglected those things And then fast forward Just a few moments later, he sent it to temple treasury. And all the wealthier people are throwing all their uh, gifts into the treasury, and here comes this little widow woman with two mites, and everybody's like, yes, she gave everything she had. That's not good. It's not okay she gave everything she had, not because of her heart, but because they were devouring widows' houses. They were taking advantage of widows and orphans. And Jesus rebuked them for that, and then he made a point to show as an illustration, here comes this poor woman given everything that she has, and they didn't say, uh, you know, not only was the tithe meant for the priests, it was supposed to take care of that woman. The tithe was supposed to take care of her. It was supposed to take care of the orphans, the fatherless, but they weren't doing that. As a matter of fact, they were requiring them to give into the temple. Why? Because they wanted to get fatter, and they wanted to get richer, and they wanted those long phylacteries, and they wanted the trumpet to play when they prayed. When they came walking down the street, they wanted music to go ahead of them. Okay? This is what the law does. It creates this self-righteousness. And we're so afraid as Christian preachers to give people the freedom to live under grace, because we're concerned they won't fund our our mission trip, they won't they won't uh, come to church, they won't honor their pastor. If you teach somebody how to live under grace properly, they will give more, they will live freer, they will live holier, they will come to church more.
1: Well, there's living under grace removes the shame of not achieving the impossible standard,
0: right. But nobody, and everybody's like, well, brother, I don't, I don't live 100%, you know. Accor- you, you know why? Because you can't. Because you can't. So how do we learn right from wrong? By the Spirit. If you live according to the Spirit, well, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you live according to the Spirit, which is by grace, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You don't need the law to live this the whole thing, all the way back to the Garden of Eden. They did not need the knowledge of good and evil. They needed the tree of life. Well, and, and those two things are not the same tree.
1: They're not. And if we have <coughs> the Holy Spirit living inside of us...
0: Look at Willie's eyes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Willie can <laughs> Go ahead. If you have... As we were talking about in our last episode, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and we are renewing our minds with the word as Mm -hmm. we are intended to, as we are instructed to, and building that relationship between us and our Father, then our hearts align with His. Right. And you don't have to try to achieve it because what comes out of you. Right. Is of Him. Right. And that just makes the whole concept. So much easier when you're not having to live up to and then failing at, you know, live up to and then fail at. You live in achieving a place the of law.
0: defeat all the right. time. Ezekiel said it like exactly what you're saying. Ezekiel said, "I will remove the stony heart from you, and I will put in you a heart of flesh, and I will write my laws and my, uh, uh like, write my laws in your heart and in your mind." Well, what is his law today? What is the law today for us? What is, what are we, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What's his commandments? To believe on him and to love one another. To believe on love him. Love one another
1: as I have loved
0: you. Right. His commandments, if you love me, you will keep my commandments we'll make our, my, my father, we talked about this last week. My father and I are one and we will make our abode in you. If you do this, right? (coughs) Forgive me. We should drink some water next time. (laughs) If you do this, what is he wanting you to do? To believe on his son that he raised from the dead. What did Romans 10 say? If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved, that's what Romans ten eight and nine or nine and eight, nine and ten eight and nine says. There's nothing in there about keeping the law. It's right. believe only. Jesus, not one time. Uh, okay, that's not true. Jesus would heal somebody and say, "Hey, go to the temple, make the sacrifice, show yourself clean to the priest, make right. the sacrifice that you're supposed to make." Da, 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 da. But at the
1: time, the law had not been fulfilled. But he, they were still he operating said, under the law.
0: I did not come to the Gentile. I came to the house of Israel. Everything that he had to do had to address Israel first. Right. Because he had to make them understand they could not live according to the law. And the law and the prophets are what pointed them pointed them to him, and they missed it because they were so focused on the rites and the rituals that they missed it. They have this thing called the Talmud, right? It's not just the written law. Now we have to have the oral law, which is now written, which was written down 500 years after Jesus. They wrote it down, and that they take the Talmud, which is more Judaism today than the law itself, and then they smash the Torah with it, and they this is what Jesus they had the Talmud back in Jesus' day too, because when they came out of Babylon, they took some of the rites that Babylon, some of the right. rites and the rituals in Babylon, and they made the Talmud out of that. and uh, they integrated uh, this paganist belief, this spirituality, and they mingled the law with it. and then uh, that's what created Judaism today, okay? And so they had the Talmud. Then this was the, um, the traditions of men that Jesus spoke against, right? He said, you have neglected the law of God for your traditions. Pra- traditions. You've made the, the word of God, the law of God of no effect because of your traditions. Okay? So anyhow, you know, back to, back to the contrast between law and grace. <coughs> this is where the struggle has begun, and in our ignorance as Christians, we don't know the history of the law, nor do we know the history of God's grace. And when we read the Bible, we see the grace of God. But in our minds, we cannot let go of the law because of, first of all, because of terrible preaching. We have mixed the law with grace. And we have created this gospel that falls flat. It's a false gospel. This is the false gospel that Paul taught, uh, talked about in the New Testament in his writings. Anything that is law mixed with grace is false gospel. And we say, well, prosperity gospel is false gospel. Well, uh, the healing gospels, false gospel.
1: So Someone says a false teacher.
0: They're a false teacher. There's a false prophet. Did you know that a false prophet is anybody that denies that Jesus is the son of God and that he died and was raised from the grave? That was Jesus's a definition of a false prophet. Not somebody that's out talking some of this uh, other stuff, but somebody that denies Jesus completely. There are people out there that claim to be in the Christian church that deny that Jesus is the only way. That's a false teacher. That's a false prophet. And the false gospel is when you take grace and you mix a little bit of law in it and the little leaven leavens the whole lump. That's what he was talking about. You cannot take the new wine of grace and put it in the old wineskins of the law because what's going to happen? You make it of none effect. That wineskin busts, and you lose all the new stuff.
1: So then, the question that people <laughs> tend to have at that point is: How do you keep people? Do do? How do you? How do you keep people doing the right thing?
0: By by. Fa- okay, by the spirit. If you live according to the spirit, you will not satisfy the lusts of the flesh.
1: One of the one of the ways that <clears throat> that my brain operates, and that 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 I have explained this to other people is. In the context of marriage.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: we've been married for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you or I don't go out and have an affair is not right. because it's wrong. And right. it's against the law. Right? It's because we love each other. We are one in flesh. And right. we have a relationship. Right. Now, if somebody were to come sweet-talking, the law here, come right. sweet-talking trying to Insert themselves and and create a diversion Mm -hmm. from that relationship. We are to keep our eyes focused on each other as Christians. We are to keep our eyes focused on the word of God and on our relationship with the Lord. And any looking to the side anyway pulls you away from that relationship. So to look over and to start considering the law, to start looking at it, pulls you out of that relationship. It's not, we don't, following the law is not going to get you closer to God. Just the same as talking to some sweet talking person is going to draw you any closer to your spouse. Mm. But if you keep your eyes focused on, on the Lord, on each other, on the things that the Lord has done for you, on things that he has already provided for you. Right. And you don't try to, fulfill something that is of no effect. Right. Then you don't really have to worry about it. Right. It just it's not involved in the covenant at all. It's it is. Right. Completely done away with.
0: We're under a different covenant. Jesus taught us that he was going to establish a new covenant in his blood. Right. Right? It's not according to the law. What's it according to? His blood. But if you look at it with
1: Gentiles, we were never under the law anyway. Not
0: not never. ever. We were never under the law. The only Gentiles then, ever came under the law were the, the proselytes. Gentiles. Right. Right. But he didn't. Okay. So when he ratified that covenant in his blood, then the covenant is according to his blood. And so his blood, what does that mean? His blood is the covenant of grace. When we're washed in the blood, we're washed white as snow. Did we do anything to get there? Nope. No. We believed. The law or or the law not being of faith. Therefore, if you're to be justified, you have to live by faith. You can live according to the law. You will never, not one time, ever be justified by the law. Never.
1: No, because in order to Because like, you
0: had to keep the law perfect from day one. If you keep the law for the next day, if you keep the law perfectly for the next 6 months, does that make you righteous? Well, if you insist
1: nope. on keeping the law. Not one time. If you insist on keeping the law, then you would have to make the sacrifices that came with keeping and you the can't law. Do that. But you can't do that the Not priest even the would moral have had law. to have done that.
0: And you you couldn't the do it The priest doesn't yeah.
1: exist. And the 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 blood of the lamb like the lamb of god came and was slain right. once and for all. That's so right. how do you keep the law and stay under the law? How do you make the sacrifices of of what lamb? Right. What what lamb is greater than what? the lamb of god? What priest the blood of Jesus is going to make greater your sacrifice than the
0: blood of of goats and bulls. There is absolutely no way for a christian In the last 2,000 years to today and in the future to ever be able to live according to the law and be made righteous. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit like what we talked about last week. God is with us. God is in us always, Right. right? The reason why he will never leave us is because there is no reason to. The reason why that we could never be separated from him is because he does not deal with us according to the law. He deals with us according to the grace that his son, Jesus, came and redeemed us. He gave us this grace. And when God looks at us, what does the Bible say? Come boldly to the throne of grace. grace." The throne of what? The grace of God. We're to come boldly. Why? Why? because we were able to keep the law. Oh, brother, I know that we're not perfect. We have to rest on the blood of Jesus. When you say that, you are basically mentally agreeing with it, but you don't believe it if you live according to the law.
1: So then, so what then? I'm I'm trying to ask this question without directly quoting the Bible. So what then (coughs) do we say to people who say, well, that's greasy grace? That is, you know, teaching that tells people that they the blood of Jesus covered all and they can now live however they want because they're under grace and not under the law. How do we respond to that? Okay, so Paul says, God forbid.
0: God forbid, for don't you know. And the reason why God forbid, he said, whoever you yield your members to, that's who you're going to enslave yourself to, right. whether unto God for righteousness or unto sin for death. And here's the thing, Okay. If you live a sin-filled life, that does not mean that there are not natural consequences. Right. Okay? But if you live according to the grace of God, there are also natural consequences for that. Now.
1: And the grace of God is not an umbrella term for do whatever you want. It's covenant under it's the It's not because. That's not grace. However. That is not being submitted to God.
0: <laughs> let's not forget that a person That does not have a renewed mind that is a fresh Christian or even, listen, you can be a baby Christian for 20 years. Right. Okay. Just because you've been a Christian for 20 years doesn't mean you've seen any type of development or growth because the law is not going to cause you to grow. It will stunt your growth. The more, yes, you're going to sin, but that does not make you a sinner. Just like when you were a sinner and you did good things, righteous things. Right.
1: It did not make you righteous. It did not
0: make you righteous. For what Jesus did is not disannulled by what Adam did. And Adam, when he brought you into sin, the first man, he brought you into sin and made you a sinner. When you did righteous things as a sinner, it did not make you righteous. Just like when the second Adam which is a greater Adam, and his blood is greater than the goats and the bulls, and it speaks greater things than Abel's, and he is the second Adam, it does, which is greater than the first Adam. What he did does not, is not disannulled by what the first Adam did. So if Jesus makes you righteous and you sin, that does not make you unrighteous. You are still righteous. Okay, so here's the thing to think about. A person that is just now learning these things, you're going to see sin in their life, and it may be bad sin, <clears throat> okay? Hopefully, it doesn't cost them in the natural, like if somebody killed somebody or something, there's going to be A some, consequence. at least, I mean, there may be manslaughter. You might get 10 years with but parole, But in those instances, uh, you know, but, as
1: more mature Christians, our responsibility to them is not to teach them. To obey the law, our right. responsibility is to teach them to renew their minds so they can understand the Put heart your of faith God. faith in Christ. And,
0: and, yes. and God will drive those things out of your behavior. Yes. Because just like Joseph Prince says, right believing produces, produces right, right living. living. Okay? As you begin to believe right, as you begin to, this is a skill just like anything else. I took my first flight today, right? I'm going to have to learn how the airplane operates. I'm gonna have to learn that you don't. <laughs> it's weird because we're pulling down, we're taxiing down this runway, and I'm controlling this thing with my feet, and I'm like, what do I do with my hands? What am I gonna do with these hands? Well, I mean, of course, you got one hand on <laughs> the throttle, hands. and the other <laughs> hand is like, I was, I was kept putting my hand on the dashboard because I was like, I, I don't know what to do with this thing because normally I got one hand on the shifter, one hand on the wheel, and I'm controlling things. But what I'm saying is, it's a new skill. <laughs> It's a new skill. Living by grace, by faith, receiving the grace of God is a totally new skill. And as you begin to develop in this understanding and as you begin to develop in this skill, you will do commit the acts of sin less and less and less and less. And eventually, not that you'll never make a sin as an action uh, ever again, However, it will not dominate you because the Bible says, it promises that if you yield your members to the grace of God, to the spirit, you will begin, you will become a slave unto righteousness. In other words, you will do righteous things by nature and you will no longer do sinful things by nature. But if you yield to sin, the more you buy, you will, not your body. But the more driven by it, you will be. If you live according to righteousness or by faith and receive the grace of God, you'll be driven by grace, okay? And your nature is changed. Your habits have changed and things like that. So, no, we're not supposed to live sinful lives. We shouldn't because it's a poor quality of life. But it doesn't make you unrighteous. And it doesn't change your standing with God. And he doesn't pack his bags and move out. And we don't have to pray him down out of heaven. And we don't have to dig him up out the grave because he's with us. We have to change our paradigm. We have to change the way we think, and the way we believe. Some people would hear this and be like, all right, I'm going to just do whatever I want to. Your wants will change as you live by faith. And those people that say that, they're still living under the faith. law.
1: <coughs> you cannot live by faith if you don't know what or who you have faith in. So we have to renew yeah. our minds in right. order to live by faith. You have no business living by faith for something the Lord did not instruct you to live by faith for. Right. So get in the word. Know what the, his word tells us his will. Right. If you want to live by faith and live according to his will, you have to know what that is. You cannot just say, I'm going to live by grace. Well, what does that mean? Get in the word and find out. Well,
0: learn what it means. So, okay, uh, in our circles, we live by faith to get healed. We live by faith to have our needs and our wants met. We live by faith to do all kinds of things, okay? Uh, I would I would consider that like not like a... Subpar class, but a subclass. When the Bible teaches us to live by faith, what we're talking about today is what it means. To live by faith is to step out from underneath the law and step and move over into Mount Zion. So we're moving from Sinai to Zion. We're moving from uh, Hagar to Sarah. We're moving out from the flesh and, un, and into the promise, and it takes faith to do that, because what we see is the, the residuals of the sin nature which has left us. We see the mistakes. We see the misbehaviors. We see those things, right? It takes faith to say, no, I am under God's grace, It takes faith to shout and rejoice when you don't see your behavior different. Just like I'm believing God to pay my bills, just like I'm believing God to heal my body. And when I don't see those things, I rejoice in the Lord and say, Thank you, God, that you've healed me. Thank you, God, that you've, no matter what's happened, you've provided. I will see them. Right? Because faith. Uh, is the substance of things hoped for or expected
1: and, the, and evidence. the evidence
0: of things that you don't see. Because later it talks about how as if we have received it already, if we see it, then why would we have faith for he
1: it? He also tells us to call things that be not as though they were. That's right. So all that to say, we are to be living by grace and not by the law.
0: Right. You can't live you under cannot, both of them.
1: You can't operate under both because they are two different covenants. If you're fulfilling one, you're not fulfilling the other and they cannot be fulfilled. Well, the first one has already been, it's fulfilled. been fulfilled. You can't, can't, can't fill it, it
0: Yes. So, it's done away with the law, the covenant of the law, and all of the things with it have been done away. They have faded out. And when those things were written about it fading out, it was still before the temple was destroyed, so that temple being destroyed, with that was it, and then it will not come back. Now I don't know if they'll build a temple or not,
1: but you can't rebuild the lineage of the priest. But
0: you'll never be able to put. It was it back fulfilled
1: together. when Jesus died and was right. rose again from the grave and then ascended That's into right. heaven, but it was it was symbolically finalized with. In right. seventy eight A.D. AD right. with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. That's right. It was like, if, okay, if you didn't believe it, right. here's the proof.
0: Here's the proof. This is done. It was already done, but here's but the here's fruition see, of it. Because you
1: have to be able to see it to believe it. Right. Here you go. See
0: it. So when that happened, they can build a temple. They can have all the red heifers they want. They can, have, they can establish a priesthood. It won't be right, but they can. Their, their sacrifices will never mean anything. There will never be another true Messiah. There'll be somebody that might come along and, and help liberate them and all of these things and give them what they need and all of that. If, it, if you really want to think about it, the United States has been a, Masonic, uh, uh, a messianic figure in their mind for a long, long time because we've supported them. I mean, Britain gave them Palestine... Uh, and then help them establish their government, and then we have pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into Israel for years and years. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying these are true. These are facts. They can kick the Muslims off that hill if they want to. They can build a temple if they want to. They can burn all the red heifers they want to. They can establish a false priesthood all they want to. It'll never replace. It'll never reestablish the law. Never. It's over. The truth is, is that there is only grace left because Hebrews teaches us that grace, the sacrifice for sin is only, the only sacrifice for sin left is the one that Jesus sacrificed once and for all, for all sin, for all time, for all people. That's it. It's over. If you don't get in that sacrifice, there is no more remission of sins because His blood is the only blood that covers sin. That's it. Or actually, it doesn't cover it; it destroyed it. Doesn't exist anymore. Now, there's a whole lot more to talk about. We ain't even really begin to pick on our own people. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much more. That's why this is just part one. This is just an introductory crash course to get you thinking. Okay. I think we're going to wrap it up. Did you have anything else you wanted to put in there? I'm good. Because I could keep going. I know. I'm good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I don't want to spark more in you tonight.
0: This is on our Facebook. Uh, I'm going to put it on our YouTube uh, soon. And um, if you have comments, we'll go in there and we'll look at it. and uh,
1: Send them to us.
0: Yeah, comment. Um,
1: Cultivated Grace Ministries at
0: gmail.com. You can write us ugly emails and we'll get in there and we realize we're going down a path that, you know, we're just going to delete it. So <laughs> write all you want to because, uh, you know, what was that? Uh, Cat Williams said one time, if "You don't have enough Cat people." Cat Williams, yes, he said, "If you don't, if you don't have anybody to hate, feel free to hate me. <laughs> he said, I'll take all his the haters name just I can quoted get." Cat
1: Williams <laughs> of all people,
0: <coughs> that dude's pretty smart. But anyway, uh, he's also <laughs> completely debt-free and he owns all his material. So. We're going to cut it off right here. Please make comments. We'll, we will discuss and we'll, we'll, that we'll pick on wheeling. you in the That's next close. podcast. Okay, we're going to wrap it up. This has been the Cultivated Grace Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Shut it off. <laughs>